that says this. When the leader of a church or an organization of any kind is sick of saying the vision over and over and over and over again and is sure that everyone else is sick of them saying it over and over and over again, then it's at that point that the people of the organization of the church or the church have probably just heard what the leader has been sick of saying. It's one of those things that we are bombarded with so much information, so much messaging that if you're anything like me, and I could say this is true on the other end, not on the leadership side, but on the receiving side, it takes a long time for something to be heard in a way that it actually sinks in and makes a difference and changes us. And so over these years that we've been here, I've talked about the vision of what God has called us to be about. And I'm convinced this morning that that idea of hearing it over and over and over again to the point where I'm sick of it and you're maybe just beginning to hear it is probably not even close to being true because, and I'll share some reasons why, because I have not been doing a good job of sharing this vision so that it becomes the heartbeat and the driving force of everything that we do. Some of you who have been around for a while may feel like what I'm about to say, that you're familiar with this, that you've heard this. And you're, you might be along the way wondering, well, why is he talking about this? Because I've heard this before. And why is he even saying that he hasn't been doing a good job of sharing this and so that it becomes the thing that is the heartbeat and the driving force of everything that we do? And I would just say this, that there's a difference between talking about something and there's a difference between actually putting all of your weight and focus behind it. Even in talking with someone this morning, the idea that this might be the framework that everything that we do hangs off of, rather than one aspect of what we do. There's a difference between making the vision that God has given to you the framework that everything hangs off of, and just one piece of what you're about. So this morning, in hopes that we would continue as we have this morning focusing on the presence of God, I want to share with you, and you, again, may have heard this before, and if you're newer, this may be the first time that you hear it. But here's the vision. Vision that we believe the Lord gave to us a number of years ago, and a vision I believe is rooted all the way back in the original founding of this church family that was lost and we needed to rediscover. So it's not like we've come up with something new. It's this, to be a place where Christ's presence brings life, healing, and restoration. To be a place where Christ's presence brings life, healing, and restoration. And whereas we become so engulfed in this as a people that then we begin to be people who this is our heartbeat. This is our DNA where we carry the presence of the Lord 
to a world in need of his presence, to a world in need of his life and healing and restoration, but even more than the things that he does, that we carry his presence, that we become stronger and stronger carriers of the presence of the Lord. And this place where we gather is a place of greater and greater presence. This is where Ezekiel chapter 47 comes in. Ezekiel chapter 47 is a picture prophetically of the new temple that will be. A new temple as the dwelling of God, the presence of God comes down from heaven to earth. Where the restoration of all things has taken place. This is a picture of what will happen at the completion of history, at the completion of time when, as Revelation 22 talks about, the dwelling of God will be with men and women. And so Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel has this vision. It's been in the midst of this larger vision. And there's been a man who has been showing an angel or maybe even Jesus. It's hard to fully tell. There's different perspectives on it. But this man that has been walking Ezekiel through this vision, it says in Ezekiel 47, verse 1, that he brings me back to the entrance of the temple. And the temple, and I've got to understand, the temple for Israel is the place where the presence of God is. The place in the Holy of Holies where the presence of God dwells at the ark and the mercy seat between the cherubim of the ark. The presence of the Lord dwells in the temple. And so don't miss the fact that it, the central figure in this whole thing is the temple because it is representative of the presence of the Lord. And so Ezekiel sees this vision that he brings, he's brought back to the entrance of the temple, and he says, I saw water coming out from under the threshold, the entrance of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. And the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar, and he brings them around out of the north gate, it says, and leads me outside to the outer gate that's facing east. And the water is flowing from the south side towards the east. And as the river flows out of the threshold from the south side east, verse 3 says, As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. A thousand cubits is about 1,500 feet. So he measures off 1,500 feet, and then he led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off, verse 4, another 1,000 cubits, another 1,500 feet, and led me through water that was now knee deep. And so you can understand this is the flow starts at the temple, and it's making its way eastward. So you know how where rivers start, it's just a small stream that then begins to get deeper and wider. I was thinking about my days in Sunday school, And I sang the song, deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. I don't think, this is bad, but I don't think until I was looking at this again for, I don't know how many times I've looked at this passage, that I realized the song deep and wide is about this. 
So as a little kid, I was singing deep and wide. So here's the way river streams, they turn, they start small, wide, and they are not very deep. But as they flow, they get what? Deeper and wider. So imagine, here, this water is flowing from the threshold out of the south gate towards the east, and it starts not very wide and ankle deep. Then it goes a little bit further, and it gets a little wider, and the water is knee deep. And then he measures off, it says, another 1,000, another 1,500 feet, and leads me through water that now is getting wider and getting deeper, and the, now it's up to his waist. And then he measure, measures off in verse 5, another 1,000, 1,500 feet, but now it is a river, a river that I could not cross. Because the water had risen, and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, Son of man, do you see this? While this vision that Ezekiel has has ultimate future fulfillment, There is so much in the scriptures about the realities of water, and wherever water is, there is this picture of the Holy Spirit. And so if you leave your finger, maybe, or some marker in Ezekiel 47, we'll come back to finish verses 1 through 12 in a moment, but turn to the New Testament, to the book of John, to John chapter 7. This is the Gospel of John, so if you find... Matthew, where we've been for a while, make your way towards the back. Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John. John chapter 7. Jesus has gone to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. And over the days of the Feast of Tabernacles, and it's interesting, if you read all of John 7, he kind of goes incognito. He sends everybody else, I'm not going this year, and he's off. But he's there. He's still there. He's a faithful Jew. He's still there celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And there's something that goes on in the tradition of the religious leaders that was developed around the time of Jesus, a little before that had been practiced. And it was called the water ceremony that scholars have talked about. And this water ceremony every day Religious leader, would, a priest would go down to the Pool of Siloam. The Pool of Siloam is where the man who was paralyzed and Jesus said, do you want to be healed? He was there waiting for the waters to be stirred and do you want to be healed? So it goes down there, gets the pool to the pool, gets some water in a, in a jug. And they would carry it up to the altar. And there would be already a sacrifice of wine and they would put this altar, on the altar, they put this jar of water. Many times they were reciting verses about what they did not even fully understand as the, the spirit of God being poured out of the, the drawing from the well of salvation, the water of life. And it's at the last and greatest day of the feast when this has been done for a number of days now, and it says in John seven thirty seven, it says, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus, incognito for most of this time, laying low, now stands up and makes his presence known. And he stands up and he says in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. 
can only imagine that the water is there. They've been seeing this. The water has been brought. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said. Now, it's so interesting. Normally, when Jesus says, as the scripture has said, either he or one of the gospel writers will put what scripture it was. But here he doesn't. Here he doesn't put, and John doesn't write, as it says in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3. It doesn't do that. Which makes us wonder, what was the scripture that was being said? And there are a number of scholars who would say and believe that Ezekiel 47 was what was read. This picture of the water being flowing from the temple. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And then so that they all understand, because they didn't, but what Jesus is, Jesus is referring to, but they didn't get yet. But John fills in the blank for us. Verse 39, by this he meant the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up until that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. See, here's the good news. Jesus has suffered and died on the cross. We're going to reflect upon that at the conclusion of our time together, at the body and the blood remembering. He has been buried. He has been raised to new life. He has been glorified, and he now sits in victory at the right hand of the Father. He has ascended there, which means as we know from the scriptures, the Spirit has been sent. And so we are now in the times where the Spirit has come. And so Jesus says, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. And he would give his Spirit as his very presence with him and with us. And within those who come to him, streams of living water flow, his very presence with us. Friends, as in Ezekiel, there is an endless expansion to the Spirit. If that river is representative of the presence or the Spirit of the Lord, Christ's presence through the Spirit, when we come to faith, it is as if, as if we are stepping in just ankle deep in the presence of of the Lord by the Spirit. And as we journey with him, we go further and the, the work of the Spirit becomes wider and deeper and wider and deeper and wider and deeper until we're out in the work of the Spirit and Christ's presence so far that all we can do is swim in his presence. That, that's what Jesus has purchased for us. The fullness of it is coming, but this is where the kingdom having come, this is where we can live, where we can live in a place that as we seek him, it becomes uncrossable. We cannot get to the end of the work of the spirit. It just gets bigger and deeper. 
Go back to Ezekiel 47 for a moment. We left off with him seeing this to a place where he cannot swim and the man asking him, son of man, do you see this? Then it says this, verse 6 of Ezekiel 47. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. I kind of like this picture because you see a great number of trees on either side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows down toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah or into the Jordan Valley where it enters the sea or the Dead Sea that is so high in salt content that nothing lives in it. When it empties into the sea, the Dead Sea, the water there becomes fresh. Imagine this. Water that is dead because the salt content is so high, those who have been to the Dead Sea, can, you can't sink because the salt content is so high, all you can do is float. Nothing lives. But the river empties into it, and the river of fresh water turns the sea fresh. Swarms now of living creatures will live wherever the rivers flow. Where there will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. What's the first thing in this vision that Christ's presence brings? Life. Wherever the river flows, everything lives. There is life. Verse 10, fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to en Eglam, and there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes, the Lord will allow that they will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees, verse 12, of all kinds will grow on both banks of the rivers. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them and their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. What's the second result? What's the second piece of this vision? Healing. Do you see the picture overall of what happens where the river goes? Healing comes, life comes, but where things were dead, where the effects of sin and the fall had broken in and brought death and curse, there is now a, what's the th third word? A restoration. A restoring things to as it was before. And I would argue that whenever God restores something, he doesn't just put it back the way it was. He makes it better. In the garden, it was the garden. And the garden, under the leadership and the authority that was given by God to Adam and Eve, they were to fill the earth and subdue it, to bring the rule and reign of God from heaven down to, that, down to earth and expand it. Now, instead of just Eden being the place 
where there was life and healing and the fullness of the presence of God, Adam and Eve were to expand it, to restore the earth. Whenever restoration comes, God makes it better. Everywhere the river flows, there's life, there's healing, and there's restoration. So understand this. It's in the river that is where salvation comes. The river of God's presence is where salvation comes. In the river is where identities are changed and are grounded in Christ. It's in the river where we are changed and transformed to become like Jesus, where he sanctifies us or makes us more like him. It's in the river where the power of lies are broken over our lives. It's in the river where fears are stilled. It's in the river where bitterness and anger are released as forgiveness is extended and forgiveness is received. It's in the river where hope comes to the hopeless. It's in the river where the fruit of the Spirit is produced. It's in the river where demons are cast out from the afflicted. It's in the river where bodies physically are healed, where minds are healed, where souls are healed. It's in the river where marriages and relationships of all kinds are restored. It's in the river where prodigals come to their senses and come home. And it's in the river where the possibilities of restoration and healing and life, like we sang in Waymaker, become reality. It's in the river. If we are just going after life, healing, and restoration, and the river of his presence is not the thing that we focus on above all, we're going to be frustrated. We're going to be weary. We're going to be tired. And we may not ever see the fullness of the vision that God says, I want to do. We don't seek life, healing, and restoration. We seek his presence. And when his presence is heavy in our lives and in, the, in our midst and in our worship and in our prayer, that's when life, healing, and restoration come. It's the result. The river brings these things. His presence brings these things. And so we seek after his presence like we did this morning in worship and prayer. I told you at the beginning that for reasons I will share, I know from the Lord's conviction on my life that I have not been doing a good job of sharing this and keeping this as the central framework upon which everything hangs. I believe that we were going in that direction. I believe that we were beginning to see the presence of the Lord become something that we were hungering and thirsting after. And then something happened. March 2020 happened. Now, I don't blame the COVID pandemic, but I see it for me as an inflection point that changed my focus. Because beginning in March of 2020, it set off a continuous focus on question after question, issue after issue, problem after problem that needed to be solved. And in the midst of it all, it deeply exposed 
uh, it exposed these deeply held beliefs that many of us had, and many of us may still continue to have, not just here, but all around our world, all around our country, all around our state community, that often cause disagreements and divisions. Things like lockdowns, should you wear masks, how long, vaccines, potential vaccine mandates, racism, politics at a fever pitch during all that time. In the midst of it all, questions of is this the end times, how does this fit in the end times? Denominational questions over this period of time on the role of men and women in ministry, just to give a sampling of things. And many, if not all of these, were needed to be addressed and needed to be wrestled with. There was no way around some of these. But as I did, my focus subtly shifted to solving these and coming to God of how do we fix these and how do we answer these and what is the way forward with these rather than we need to live in the presence of the Lord and he'll give us what we need in the midst of that. So often we can be so subtly distracted and off focus even in the midst of what needs to be done, if the presence is not our deep desire above all things, if it's not what we hang everything else on, then we can easily get out of the river and not even realize it. And as I got focused on how do we answer these questions and deal with these issues and all of these things, even coming to the Lord, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do? What I found was, and what I see now, is every time I would come, I would take a little bit of a step towards the riverbanks. And, and there might be a question, so I come back in, but I came back not to dwell and to be soaked in the river, not to be out here where I or I had to swim and couldn't touch anymore. Not where it's expanding more and more, but coming out, getting the answer, but then becoming so focused that you kind of get back up into the woods. And before you know it, you get more and more into the woods and out of the river as your dwelling place. Friends, I can tell you, when you've been out here, and I'm, I'm, I got so much further to go. There are many of you who are farther down the river than I am and in deeper waters than I am. It's not about where you're at in the river. It's are you going down and seeking to live and get, keep getting further and further down the river. It's not about, oh, he's there and she's there and oh, uh, in comparison and competing. It's just we're in different places, but we want to be people of the river. But I can tell you, when you've been in the river, when you've been in the river and then you get out, out here never satisfies. And you begin to hunger out here. You begin to thirst out here. You begin to say, as was prayed this morning, it's a dry and weary land up on the riverbanks. It's in the river that we are satisfied. It's in the river that the streams of living water flow. And I need to do a better job personally in my leadership to call us to make this living out here our one 
consuming, driving passion and everything then hangs on that. Because it's only out here that life and healing and restoration begin to happen because wherever the spirit, wherever the river flows, everything lives. And one day the fullness of that will be when King Jesus returns and makes all things right. But friends, we don't have to wait. And we don't have to wait for that only because the kingdom has come, not in its fullness, but it has come. And so our desire should be to live as much as we can of the fullness of the kingdom now and allow life and healing and restoration to come as we do that. And we'll be ready for King Jesus because we're living in his presence. There'll be no surprise. There'll be no wondering because we'll be in his presence. It'll just be the fullness and culmination when he returns to make all things right. And so before you this morning, I, I want to personally just commit and to ask your forgiveness and to ask for your prayers that I would be a a leader and a pastor who would keep myself and us as a church family focused first and foremost on staying in the river of Christ's presence. And then I would challenge you to come along and to cultivate a growing sense and awareness of the presence of Jesus in your life through scripture and not just so you can check off a box, I read my Bible today. And through prayer, not just so you can check off a box and said, I prayed my list today. Through worship, not just saying I worshiped on Sunday morning when I sang a few songs, but that these things would become your life rhythm that would help to cultivate an awareness of the presence of Jesus, that would help to create an environment in your soul where the streams of living water would flow and to be continually moving further and deeper into the life of the Spirit. Some of you, again, may be saying, I'm down here. And that should never be a, I'm down here, everybody. It's just, this is where I'm at. Praise the Lord. Some may be just ankle deep. It doesn't matter where you are. It's, we're cultivating an awareness of the presence of Jesus, and we're cheering one another on as we together keep our eyes fixed on him. And as we do, I believe we will see life and healing and restoration come to our lives, to our church, and to our community and the nations as a result. We don't keep it to ourselves. So let me encourage you, as you would do that personally, to really consider two corporate ways to engage this. One, I mentioned we've been having night of worship and prayer. This week with the district conference, it's not, but our, our prayer and our desire is that it would be weekly Wednesday nights at 6.30, nights of worship and prayer waiting on the Lord. And, and the times that we've had have just been good to be in the presence of the Lord. This theme of the river has been there for us. And even the hope and encouragement of it's breaking forth and it will break forth, we've been hearing from the Lord. 
I would love for as many of us. I know Wednesday nights at 6.30 may not be the easiest and best time for everybody, but even if you're not able to be here, that you would consider taking some time even where you're at on Wednesdays at 6.30. would encourage you to come. And in the midst of that, the second thing corporately, I shared last week, we want to enter into, and we feel led to enter into a time of fasting as a church family, two weeks. It's actually going to be about 15 days, but it'll start on Wednesday, October 11th, and that will be the night of worship and prayer can kind of kick that off corporately, and it will go two weeks to the next Wednesday, so actually be about 15 days, and will end on October the 25th. And we want to have time in that night of worship and prayer to listen what, and to hear what has the Lord been speaking to us as we've been doing that together. In your bulletins this morning, there is this excellent resource on fasting. Because it's one of those things, what is fasting? How do you do it? There's great explanation. These uh, were shared with us with our friends at the Gospel Tab over in Aliquippa. And so they were willing to share this with us. Helps us to understand what fasting is, the purposes of it, and some practicalities of it. Because not everybody can fast meals all the time. What are the different options with the different timings? All those kinds of things. This doesn't have to be this, everybody has to do it the same way. But this resource can help you kind of think through and pray through, what would that two-week fast look like for me? That you and Jesus can determine that with the help of the Spirit, how you would engage it. But that we together would engage this corporately to say, Lord, Above all else, we desire your kingdom. We desire your presence. We want you. We're going to take communion in a few moments. But before we do that, we just want to sing a song of response. Here is in heaven. That really is about the presence of the Lord, but also what happens when we're in the presence of the Lord. The kingdom of God comes to earth in greater ways and the realities of heaven come more and more to earth. And so the worship team would come. We want to sing that together as commitment to, yes, we want the presence as our focus, the presence of the Lord, but also, Lord, may what you have as the results of your presence come from heaven to earth more and more. Jesus taught us to pray. May your kingdom come and may your will be done here on this earth as it is in heaven. So if you would, let's stand to be able to sing this in declaration together. Um, this Friday...